0: Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you want to speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church finally there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of jesus christ so if this service and our other resources bless you would you consider giving back to atmosphere church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city, and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. So James writes this letter, and he's pretty harsh in some of the points, but he is so adamant that he wants everyone in the church to become the fully mature follower of Jesus, that God intends them to be. And, and what James is getting at, and what we've discovered even in our own lives, is growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. And we know when we're young, you know, we're, we're expected to do dumb things. We're expected to say things that really, you know, uh, have no filter on them. You, you, I'm sure you've heard the expression kids say the darndest things. And I I, I know for me, I was the youngest of six, and so my family didn't go to church, and so you can imagine the colorful vocabulary that I had growing up with five older brothers and sisters that would tell me all kinds of things, uh, and I love saying them, but it reminded me as we get into this talk today uh, uh, about growing up with our walk with God, especially when it comes to the area of our mouth. I don't know how many of you have ever said something, maybe growing up, and you didn't have that filter on, and mom and dad caught you, and you got the bar of soap in your mouth. Did anybody ever live their childhood, all right? So it reminded me of one of the scenes from my favorite movies, and so you're welcome. Watch this. It was the first time that it had been suggested that I go help my father with anything. What are you doing here? Mo- Mo- Mom said that I should help. Oh, oh yeah?
1: Yeah. OK, sit so down here. Squat down. Yeah, that's it. go. Yeah, hold this here. Yeah. No, not that way, not that way. Go on, come on, trap. Pull it like this, eh? How? How? Oh, like this? Want, I want to put the nuts in it. OK. there we go. Nice for And we got it! <laughs> Ah, like There it is. I, that. I, it's. I to get that dirty mud, There we go. And... Oh, for one brief moment, I saw all the bolts silhouetted against the lights of the traffic, and then they were gone.
0: Oh, fudge!
1: Only I didn't say fudge. I said the word, the big one, the queen mother of dirty words, the f. Dash 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 word. What did you say? Huh? That's what I thought you said. In the car. Go on. It was all over. I was dead. What would it be? The guillotine, hanging, the chair, the rack, the Chinese water torture. <laughs> Mere child's play compared to what surely awaited me. Everything go all right. <sighs> Eight minutes. <laughs> you know what your son just said. No, what? I'll tell you what he said. Ready? Ah! Over the years I got to be quite a connoisseur of soap. My personal preference is for Lux, but I found palm olive had a nice piquant after dinner flavor, heady, but with just a touch of mellow smoothness. Life boy, on the other hand.
0: <laughs> I don't know how many of you can still taste the soapy taste in your mouth. I, I can't. Ours was ivory. Horrible. And I don't know who the first parent was that thought, like, hey, this would be a great idea. We'll just we'll clean our, our kids' mouths out, and that will cause them to learn not to say those words. Well, here's the news flash. I still say things I shouldn't say. And I can't, I can't tell you how many times I got soap in my mouth. And, and the problem is, and what James is going to tell us this morning, is that, is that we have a mouth issue. We, we have this problem. And, and, and part of it is we speak a lot. Do you know the average person speaks 18,000 words a day? 18,000 words a day. Now, I was reading another study that suggested women speak twice as much as men. Now, I read that. And I'm not making this up. Now, I've been married for over 25 years, so I would say it might be true. I, I'm, it might be fake news. I don't know. But, but I, I do know, ladies... That it's a lot easier for you to talk than most men uh, that I speak with, and you know I actually said this before in another message uh, when I was leading the Vegas Church, and I actually had a woman come up to me afterwards after I said this, and and she said, Pastor, I, I know what you said that you know women speak twice as much as men on average, and I said, Yeah. She said, Well, do you know the reason why? And I said, No. And she said, because they are so used to repeating everything they say to the men in their life that they have to say it again. To which I said, what would you just say? It's true. But if you you do the math out on this average, that's 126,000 words in a week. That's over a half a million words in a month. And in one year, that's 6.5 million words. That's enough to fill 66 800-page novels each and every year. So the more words that you use, the more chances you're going to have of saying the wrong word, of speaking the wrong thing. And there's a reason the Bible speaks a lot about this, okay? Matter of fact, I love what Jesus said. Because, you know, back in his time when he was doing his ministry, there was a lot of emphasis put on religious practices. And Jesus wanted to identify a major issue that was being widely ignored by most people. And that was how people were using their mouths. Look at what he says in Matthew chapter 15. He said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. You, you're defiled by the words coming out of your mouth. Now, I, I, I think of uh, toothpaste when, when it comes to words because, you know, most people have tubes of toothpaste. Remember in the 80s when they tried to do the toothpaste pump? I don't see those anymore I don't know why it didn't work all right but but just think about it. most people right you, you have your tube of toothpaste I don't know if you put the cap on afterwards or not how many are just you just leave it like on the sink just like blah right that's our family but but I I started thinking about this toothpaste because this is a lot like words so once the words kind of leave your mouth I, I don't know how many of you have ever said something and you just tried to backtrack, and like you have you ever been mid sentence, and you're like, I shouldn't be saying this right now. How many have, how many have experienced that? See, getting words back is trying to get this stuff back in the tube. It's just like it's it's not possible. You're you're not going to do it because once those words are out there, man, it's it's a done deal. Now James. In his letter to the church, he's saying, we have an issue here. We haven't learned to grow up and watch our mouths because there should be something developing in us spiritually, as well as practically speaking, where as we grow older in our faith and closer to God in our lives, that our mouths are going to begin saying different kinds of words. You're going to see that there is another level of filtering that, that comes your way. Not to say you're perfect. Matter of fact, James chapter 3 is kind of dedicated to this idea. and We're not going to read the whole chapter, but it kind of starts off by saying, hey, if you're a teacher, man, you're, you're going to be judged on a whole nother level because of your responsibility that, that you're using these words and, and you're influencing the direction that people's lives are going. So you're gonna be held to a higher standard than other people, but, but it goes on to say that you're gonna stumble. And, and I like that because no matter how close you are to God and no matter how maybe uh, uh, experienced you are with filtering your talk, you're gonna have a moment in your day or maybe your week, or even your year, where you're gonna say something that you know you shouldn't have said. And it might be something in anger, it might be something via slander, it might be something kind of gossipy about somebody else. But we can use our mouths in a variety of different ways that God says, hey, that's not good for you, and that's not good for my kingdom. And so we need to put some attention on our mouths today. We need to look at this because if we're gonna be fully mature people of God, then we have to look at this idea of our mouths and how we're using them. And I'm gonna go over a lot of scriptures and what's great about the Bible is that it talks a lot about our mouths, especially the book of Proverbs. There's a lot of verses in the book of Proverbs, which is interesting because that was written primarily by Solomon, who was the wisest man to live besides Jesus on the face of this earth. So Jesus was wisdom, and Solomon was a man of wisdom, and he spends more time talking about how we use our mouths probably than any other idea that he talks about. But let's go into James chapter 3, a few verses, just to kind of tee this up. It says, now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well, Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. Verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell itself. This is a pretty sobering talk here, especially for us that just lived through probably one of the biggest fires or not the biggest fire that has been in this area ever. And fires, big fires start by a small spark a lot of times. And I like that there's three analogies in chapter three that kind of give us the idea of the power of our tongue. The first one, it says, hey, it's like a bit in a horse's mouth that, that, that our speech, our words are able to direct us and direct our life into a particular direction. And some of you know that to be true from your experiences that your words actually launch you into a direction in your marriage. Or launch you in a direction for your career. Or launch you into a direction in, in the relationships that are in your family. Maybe a, a son or a daughter or a parent or whatever. Words do that. And he uses the ship analogy uh, uh, as the same way. going: This little small thing, our tongues, our mouths, can actually veer something so large into a specific direction, that your mouths are a powerful tool that God has given us to move us into the direction that he wants us to go. But then it says this thing about fire. It's a little different analogy. And we think about this fire that we recently went through. And so I I hope this isn't too close to home for us. But I was reading uh, a, a few weeks ago, matter of fact, that there was a man and his wife that wanted to do a gender reveal in Arizona. You guys might have heard this story. And so they're in Arizona, and they wanted to do this gender reveal. He is a Border Patrol agent. He likes rifles and so he put this target out on this hillside and he was going to shoot the target with his wife and they were going to reveal whether they were having a boy or a girl. See what's wrong with our culture is we're always trying to outdo each other. So like just like showing somebody your ultrasound picture is not enough anymore. Now we're now we have to blow things up. So they they put this target out there, they put this like dynamite stuff in there and they shot it and a big plume of blue smoke Came out, they are having a boy. But what they didn't account for are the flames that followed the blue smoke lit the whole hillside on fire, causing $8 million, true story, of damage, burning over 47,000 acres of Arizona forest. That is one expensive birth announcement right there, man. But think about that. What James is saying, our words have incredible power behind them. That it is able to light something and set something ablaze to where it can cause major devastation against your life and possibly the lives of all kinds of people around your life. Um, I, I like what Proverb 15, verse 1 says. It, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So with our words, we can just completely infuse a forest fire or we could defuse it and cause something to be extinguished before it gets going. Have you ever been in the middle of a conversation and you know you can insert a word and you know that it is going to set it on fire. You know that it is just going to start burning all kinds of stuff, but you also know that in that moment, you can use a word that can completely snuff out any kind of spark that's going on. Have you ever been in these conversations? And sometimes the anger gets the best of you, and you're like, I'm going to pour some gasoline on that one. Um, And it happens to all of us. But I tell you that... Our words are powerful, and James is is trying to bring us into this idea because he says, as people of God, it is so important we get this right. And and I think he's remembering another proverb that you might have heard before, and this one is even more important for us to hear than the last one. That's Proverbs 18. It says, death and life are in the power of God of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you've you've heard of that saying, and I know I heard it when I was growing up, that sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, and that is just false. And the reason I know that is false is because I'm in my 40s, but I remember clearly things that were said to me as a little boy, that were negative in nature that just had sticking power. I've counseled countless men and women that have walked as an adult with chips on their shoulder because of what mom and dad said to them and spoke over them when they were three years old. And in our culture and in our society, I mean, I was thinking of as an example of, of how words can bring death and life. And I was looking for a specific example, but let me, let me tell you, there's hundreds and hundreds of examples over just the last couple of years where words that people used, words that people texted or tweeted or whatever had devastating consequences where, where young people actually took their lives we're, I was reading an article this week. We are at an epidemic of 12 to 14-year-olds taking their lives. And a lot of it is being blamed not on depression, not on chemical imbalances, but on social media bullying and school classmates saying things to other classmates that's devastating. I was reading about a 10-year-old boy from Louisville, Kentucky, 10 years old, He took his life because at school they were bullying him. They were making fun of him because he had a digestive medical situation. And his mom came home, and he had taken his life 10 years old. My friends, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And the words, unfortunately, that people are speaking, it's sad and it's unfortunate but we have so much death being spoken over people. But James is saying, hey, that's the world. The world is gonna be the world, but the church needs to be the church. The church needs to be the life-giving force of this world. The church needs to stand up and speak words of life that speak words that build people up and not tear people down. The church needs to be a, a voice so that we can stand out and we can stand up to all of this craziness that's going on and have people be able to walk in here and say, wow, that was a breath of fresh air. That was such a life-giving experience of what that man or what that woman said to me. That's the kind of church we need to be. This is what James says in James chapter one, reversing it here and going to the first chapter. Remember, this is a letter. So chapter three is not the only part of this letter that he's addressing the issue going on with our mouths. He said, Do any of you think you are religious? If you do not control your tongue, your religion is worthless and you deceive yourself. So in other words, he says, you can come to church every Sunday, you could raise your hands and worship, but if you leave this place and you spend your entire time tearing people up and and just word vomiting on all kinds of people, he says, your religion is worthless. Your time at church is worthless. You're raising your hands in worship is worthless. You, you've got to pay attention and say, God, help me control my mouth. Now, I love this because I believe the Bible's given us a plan. The Bible tells us how we can have more control over our mouths and the words that we are using in our lives. And if, and if you... Uh, want to take notes, I've just, I have these three PowerPoints I like to call them, write these down because I believe if we all do these, I'm not saying we're going to be perfect people, but I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that your words are going to be so different than they have been. If you really take heart, these things that we talk about right now, number one, first thing we want to talk about is check your heart. Check your heart because, see, Jesus told us that the heart and our words are connected together. And in Luke chapter six, we read about this. He says, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills the His heart. So Jesus is saying that it's not necessarily a mouth control problem as much as it is a heart problem. That that if we start kind of taking a a closer look at the things we're allowing into our hearts, it, it may kind of help us with the words that we're using and the things that we're saying because... As we fill our hearts more with Jesus, Jesus is going to be filling more of our words. Now, there's a a scripture that I was told years for years and years and years, and I still believe this, but I, I use this as a premise for whether somebody's saved or not. And so after a service or after, you know, I would talk to somebody, I said, you know, the Bible says that if you believe with your heart that Jesus died for your sins and you confess it with your mouth that he's your Lord, then you're saved, And that passage is found in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. See, a lot of times we look at that and say, okay, I just got to confess Jesus is Lord. But really, I believe what Paul is saying here is that when you are really believing with your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that he resurrected from the dead to fill your life with the resurrection power to walk in heavenly miracles and breakthroughs for your life, then your mouth is going to reflect that. And so the reason a lot of times our mouths are not reflecting that is we're not making enough Jesus deposits in our heart. The more Jesus deposits we're making in our hearts the more withdrawals we're going to be making with our mouths. Have you ever been to an ATM and tried to pull money out and you're like, where'd my money go? And your spouse didn't tell you that they just hit the ATM before you and had to buy something and you're like embarrassed? See, you can only take out of your mouth what you've already deposited into your heart. so as you examine the words that you've been using, I I, want to not let you stay there. I want you to go deeper. I want you to look at the things that you have been filling your heart with lately. And maybe it's a lot of media. Maybe it's a lot of your work and your career. But see, the thing that you are most passionate about tends to be what you speak the most about. So, so this idea that Jesus is Lord means that Jesus is supreme in your life over every other thing in your life. So when Jesus is supreme in your life over every other thing in your life, you're gonna be speaking Jesus more with your words. You're not not gonna have to take a class in evangelism like how to share my faith. You might need to do that too. But evangelism isn't just about how you have somebody accept Jesus to be their savior. Evangelism is how you speak Jesus into people's lives that are hurting, that are despondent, and that don't know what to do in their life crisis. And you're saying, I know, and it's Jesus, and let me introduce him to you, and let me tell you what Jesus is doing for my life. But that stuff comes out naturally when that is what your heart has been filled with. Number two is speak less, listen more. There's a reason God gave you two ears and one mouth. He wants you to do twice as much listening that He does you talking. And isn't it interesting too that our ears can never really shut. I mean, they can if you get a device, but but they don't have a they don't have a capacity just to close off. But our mouths do. So to me, it's it's in how God created us. He wants us listening. And most of us, when we're in conversations with people, we're so busy trying to figure out what we're going to say in response to what they're saying, we're not even listening to people anymore. Now, this is a big one that I think makes a lot of people stumble, and this is the one that Solomon spent most of his time talking about, because I'm assuming that he had some experiences where he's like, you know, I've been so busy talking and the more I talk, the more foolish I look. Let's just, I want to just look at some of these. Well, let me, let me go to James first, because this is, he says, he says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. And I have found that those things go in order. When you're quick to listen and you're slow to speak, what happens is you don't get angry as often as maybe you used to. They go together. I think that's important. But let's cover some of these Proverbs real quickly with time. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Amen. Somebody asked me, like, what versions do you use? I, go, I use a variety of different ones, but I love that one. Anytime it's this, shut up or stupid, <laughs> I love it. I do, for those of you on a serious note, we do study the Bible through the New American Standard Version. I just want to set the record straight there, okay? The one who guards his mouth, preserves his life, the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. That means that if you're always talking, if you're the one that's you know, speaking not 18,000 words a day, you're up there in the 30 to 40, chances are, you're not listening to the people that are trying to have a relationship with you. Okay, let's go to the next one. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. (laughs) I love that one. Because the more quiet you are, the more intelligent you appear, right? It's when we open our mouths that we reveal our stupidity a lot of times. And so you're better off, what Tom is saying is you're better off not using as many words. Next one. Whoever gives an answer before he listens is stupid and shameful. There you go. See, I love those. Next one. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Now, I will say, and there's a different sermon involved, that sometimes you do need to speak up. And we know that a lot of us are, are still under the repercussions of Adam not speaking up when he should have spoken up. That's a different sermon. But, but I will say that our words get us in trouble when God's saying, I will give you the wisdom to know how to respond to a situation if you just take more time to listen to what's really being said instead of rushing to say something. Now, when, when I'm talking about our mouths, We need, in our culture, to also recognize that when we type something out on Facebook, when when we post something on Twitter, this is equivalent to using our words. So so this isn't just limited to conversation here. This is all platforms of how you speak and communicate to other people. And, And I have seen so many people read an article on the internet and just go off and just like say things. And I'm just like, man, if you would have just waited and, and that thing would have been exposed. And, and what I love seeing, especially within the church, is some bizarre article gets released and Christians start sharing it. And somebody goes on there and says, read Snopes and that thing that you're posting and reposting and getting angry about. not even true. So if you, if you read something suspicious online, go to Snopes. Uh, There's a website, and a lot of times it will reveal whether or not it's legitimate, but I've just realized through experience that I don't need to necessarily always have my opinion read and understood by all of my friends. I just don't need to. There's some things that we need to speak up for and speak out more about, but there's some things that just I call it sideways energy. Like you you put a response on social media and then you're watching for somebody to respond to what you put. You're like, that sounded so good. And somebody responds and says, I don't agree with you. Oh yeah, why don't you agree with me, man? And then pretty soon, another person's like, I agree with Pastor Jim, I think this is. And then this really happened to me. I think I've told you this story. I, I posted something on an opposing view from this other preacher that was calling other guys out. And I just thought it was really, really rude. And so I put this guy on blast for putting all these other guys on blast. Well, that was not a good idea. <laughs> because I realized in my friend group, I have a very diverse group of people. That some of these people loved this guy and other people agreed with me. And so it, it started this like Facebook war. In, in this little dialogue, and, and pretty soon, this, I was reading the thread, I stayed away. I like threw it out there, and I stood there, and my friends started yelling at each other, and I'm like, ah, oh, what did I do? And, but then I, I finally had to get back involved when I had one friend telling another friend, I bet you wouldn't say that to my face, let's meet at the park at three o'clock. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I have some friends that are unbelievers that are reading this, and they're probably going, and that's why you want to invite me to church? So I deleted that, and I learned a lesson. You know what? Even though I have an opinion, there's sometimes you should just probably keep your opinion to yourself or to your close friend and not put it on a public platform like social media because while you're busy battling all of these different opinions out there, there are people that God is sending into your life, and you're so fixed on your phone trying to respond to that person, you miss the opportunity of loving on the person that God put right in front of your face. Come on, somebody, that, that needs to be preached. Get your faces out of the phones. We might see a lot more miracles and breakthroughs coming from our life. Thirdly, and I, I'm, I'm getting short on time here, thirdly is build others up. So we checked our heart. We're listening more, speaking less. And, and here's the third one is we're building others up. This is biblical. This is what you've been called to do as a follower of Jesus. You're called to find people that are hurting. And here's a newsflash, everybody's hurting. There's not one person in this room or outside of this room that is in a position where they have tapped out of encouraging words for their life. Everybody could use one more encouraging word for their life. Am I, am I right? Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. This is a good one. Paul chimes in on the idea of our words. He says, don't use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that what you say will do good to those who hear you. He writes to the Thessalonian church and he says this. He says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you also are already doing. There, there is a place in the church that God is wanting to use you to help build somebody else up that he sent your way. For instance, for example, today you may not be coincidentally sitting by the person you're sitting by. If it's family, obviously they're by you. But maybe behind you, in front of you, that maybe God supernaturally placed them there because there is an encouraging word that you're supposed to deposit into their life to build them up. I take this very seriously. Matter of fact, I don't do New Year's resolutions very often, but this year I just I felt something in my gut. I was like, Now, there's something I really want to add to the new year. It's kind of like we hit the reset button. And and that was, I want to take every day five people, and I just want to encourage them. And it's not difficult to encourage somebody. You don't need a theological degree to tell somebody that they're awesome and that you're thinking about them and that you're praying for them and that you're in the corner, or that God has a word for them, and give them a verse, or send them a uh, uh, you know, a, a podcast, or a Jesus um, a calling example. That everybody in this room has the capacity to be able to do this, but we have to be intentional to set the time aside to be able to do it. But here's what I've found when I live like this. That God actually uses my encouragement and my words to other people when I'm building them up to actually build myself up. That there is depression and discouragement in your life because God wants to use you to encourage other people and he wants to use your encouragement and your words to build people up as a fuse to ignite joy in your own lives. Let, let me give you a couple of verses, then i got to get you guys uh, moving forward. We're going to worship, and we're just going to let this stuff just marinate while we worship. And let me give you a, a couple of scriptures just to show you that Proverbs chapter uh, 11, verse 25. says, "Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed." Proverbs 15:23, A person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? How good is a timely word? Proverbs 18, verse 20, it says, with the fruit of a man's mouth, the stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. So how you use your words, not only bless other people, But it actually turns around and fills your life with joy, peace, and satisfaction. What's missing in the church is more opportunities to build others up. And you just got to take the sermon, apply it, and just say, God, maybe I need to be like Pastor Jim. Maybe I need to make it my goal. Maybe instead of five people a day, maybe it starts off at one person a day. But I'm gonna live more intentionally to start building others up because I know it will not only just benefit them, but it's also going to benefit me. I end with this scripture in Colossians. It says, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. Some of you are like, ah, yeah. So that you will know how you should respond to each person. Would you just get out that salt packet that you should have received when you came in. and This this is nothing, really. It's just a packet of salt. But you know, for for you this week, maybe this month, I I want you to carry this with you. I I want you to have it in your pocket. I I want you to maybe throughout the day just grab it out and, and see what we need to do is we need to think about what Paul is saying to the Colossian church, saying, hey, We're using words every day, whether we want to or not. Whether we want to keep our mouths closed more. They're still going to open at some point during the day. And Paul's saying, hey, make it to where those words are seasoned with salt. In other words, that they're going to make somebody else's life taste better because of the words that you use on their life. That that your words are the salt on somebody else's life. Your words are going to make somebody else's life taste better because of what you said to them or what you spoke over them. So, church, let's be people of God, that our words are seasoned with salt. You're not gonna be perfect, and you admit it when you said things you shouldn't have said, you admit it, and you say, God, forgive me, I repent of it, but I'm telling you, check your heart. Listen more, speak less. And I'm telling you, this is gonna be one of those things that gives you a breakthrough, that, that helps you by building others up and being that seasoned salt for their life. Let's pray. Father, as we end our service with some worship, God, there's things that you are speaking to us, maybe apologies that we need to give because of the stuff that just came out of us. Lord, I know some of us are just maybe thinking about the deposits they've been making on you. God, may this worship time just be a time that we can just reconnect, that you can just fill us up so that more Jesus comes out of our words this week. God, help us, Lord, to install that filter. God, give us your heavenly bar of soap so that our mouth will be full of heaven so that we won't be able to speak. We'll just be able to listen. And Lord... Strategically, divinely, supernaturally placed people in our life that we can build up this week. And give us the words, give us the scriptures, give us the encouragement that we could speak over their life. But we want to be people that are fully mature, that can control our mouths, can speak the things you want us to speak. If you're not a Christ follower, as we worship, I just want you to be thinking about what your life could look like if you just surrendered it today to Jesus. Jesus has done so much for you already and you may not even realize it. But I'm here to testify that following Jesus is gonna make your life better. It's gonna make you better at life. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.